What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good morning. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, and I am the host of the What to Know podcast. I am speaking today with Adrian Adams, who is the CEO of RLS Pharmaceuticals, and also, more importantly, the chair of the upcoming, well, actually, by the time you listen to this, it will be in our past, the Heart Ball, put on by the um, American Heart Association. So first of all, welcome, Adrian. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to be with you. So uh, I have to tell you, in reading your bio, I I get to interview a lot of very successful and and a lot of very interesting people. Uh, You've done some amazing things over the course of your incredibly successful career um, so that, you know, people can hear in your words, let's talk a little bit about that journey starting at the Royal Institute of Chemistry at Salford. I'm, you know, I'm sure there was a lot that happened before that, all the way to your current position as CEO of your, your company. Um, what has that been like? And let's talk about some of the high points along the way. Well, it's certainly been a, a hell of a journey uh, so far. I think um, just prior to, uh, prior to the Royal Institute of, uh, of Chemistry, I, I left school when I was actually 16 and uh, did all my kind of um, uh, exams and uh, and my uh, uh, degree uh, part-time. During the course of that, I uh, joined um, uh, ICI uh, in the diagnostics division as a laboratory assistant. And uh, uh, in essence, I didn't have any career plans at that particular point in time, but uh, I seemed to be good at chemistry when I was at school. So that seemed to drive me to... uh, uh, joining the uh, uh, the chemistry department at uh, at ICI, um, and then moved to the pharmaceutical side with uh, uh, with ICI, and uh, and during the course of that, I was able to transition from the chemistry side to the commercial side. I was given a, a wonderful opportunity and uh, worked through different functions of market research, product management, international product management, and also was given the Opportunity of working in the uh, in the United States uh, before moving back to uh, uh, run the uh, UK uh, uh, sales and marketing organization. Uh, uh, I then moved to join Smith Klein Beecham uh, and uh, worked in the United Kingdom. Uh, uh, worked in the international marketing function in the United States and also had the opportunity of running the Canadian organizations before then moving to join Novartis back in the in the United Kingdom uh, and running their, uh, uh, their whole uh, organization. So it um, uh, took me to my next stage of my, uh, my career, which was running public companies. I was given the opportunity of moving back to the United States to run the first of five public companies, uh, Coast uh, Pharmaceuticals, uh, and, uh, which was very successful. And that uh, then followed with Cephalocore, then Inspire Pharmaceuticals, and then Auxilium uh, Pharmaceuticals before uh, joining my current company, ILS Pharmaceuticals. All four of my previous companies were acquired, uh, and I was uh, very fortunate to be able to, over the course of time, create uh, $10 billion worth of shareholder value. Uh, so all of that is a composite of, of where I've got to where I am at this point in time, and all I would say is that it's been uh, quite a journey and a journey of learning. Uh, I've uh, been successful over the course of time, but not due to my just my own abilities, but to the people that that have surrounded me. I've been uh, fortunate to work with some wonderful, wonderful people in all the organizations that I've worked with. Well, I think you're probably being too humble, and, and congratulations for having such a successful career. I'm sure 
part of the answer to this next question is a little bit to do with your humility and you mentioned the people piece. But as someone that's been in this leader role, and I'm, I'm going a little bit off our script here, but as a follow on, you know, what is it, how, what has been that thing where you've been able to find these people? Because what you've done to create this amount of value for the companies you're working for is actually quite remarkable, as I'm sure you know, and not a lot of people are able to accomplish that. So I'm sure you did have some good fortune, but uh, having the right people being in a leadership role, you, you helped bring some of these people to the table, or at least decided which ones to, to keep. So any secret sauce in terms of how you've done that? Because uh, again, clearly you've done something incredibly right on that front. Well, uh, you know, I find in running uh, organizations and it comes to kind of the ongoing learning of, uh, of life, whether it be personal or businesses, that, uh, that uh, in the event, uh, everybody likes to learn and everybody wants to be part of, uh, of a nice culture. And there are two parts of culture. One is quantitative and one is qualitative. And very often in business, I find that people tend to focus on the quantitative aspects of business, you know, revenues and, uh, and the kind of financial aspects. And, uh, and that obviously is very, very important, particularly as it relates to shareholders, but equally important in my opinion. And it's driven a lot of my kind of leadership um, uh, focus has been uh, a people-centric approach in making sure that people can thrive and learn and do well themselves within a culture that rewards them uh, and uh, that they can continue to learning as, uh, as well. And that, in essence, I think one, everything is reputational from a career perspective and uh, people like to be surrounded by people that they like and they can learn from. And uh, so in that, in, in the event, uh, that, uh, that people are looking for opportunities, that's an attractive feature for people to get involved in. And, and good people tend to attract, you know, good people as well. And that, in essence, uh, I've had the fortune to be surrounded by a lot of good people over the course of time who want to do well, not just financially, but want to learn and become better people and better leaders themselves. And that's been a credo that has been part of the way in which I've developed my own leadership skills and I've learned from others as well in doing that. Well, again, kudos to you. And it's refreshing, you know, when you talk to someone that's accomplished as much as you have to have the humility and to be able to, uh, you know, take that philosophy because I've seen that that works incredibly well and hear that as a common theme through a lot of the other very smart people I speak with. I do want to shift a little bit to what we had teed up up front, which is uh, we're both very passionate about this Heartball that's being put on by the American Heart Association. You're the chair of the Heartball for 2018. Um, by the time, like I said, people will listen to this, it will have happened uh, this past weekend. It's this upcoming weekend, but people will have it in their uh, rearview mirror. Um, tell us a little bit about your goals as the chair, and you know how has this come together, and and then maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the highlights in, in the next question. Yeah, well, clearly, I think uh, from a, a broader background perspective, um, throughout my career, I've always had some degree of involvement, whether it be commercially or from a kind of corporate perspective on the, uh, with, with regard to the cardiovascular area. And I've uh, been very involved in a lot of different aspects of different therapeutic areas, but in particular, the beta blockers and, uh, and looking at heart failure and, and aspects like that. So I've had first-hand experience of the benefits associated with uh, uh, all of the activities that are done by the American Heart Association uh, meeting. So when I was actually approached uh, to become chairman of this uh, this ball, I felt very privileged. And uh, clearly it was very personal. Uh, it wasn't particularly business driven. It was passion driven. Uh, I was approached by a 
uh, obviously the staff of the American Heart Association and asked whether or not I would like to get involved. And I absolutely said yes without any, uh, any doubt. And, uh, and in particular, I think uh, when I was sat across the table from the people I was talking to, I think uh, they have a passion and a desire that you can see not just within their eyes, but obviously comes from their hearts as well. And I think uh, it was for a very common uh, goal and a clear benefit cause in, in terms of doing what's right for the uh, uh, in the cardiovascular area. So from my perspective, my overall goal was to see whether or not I could contribute in some way from a leadership perspective to surrounding myself again with people that could make a difference, that have that passion throughout the industry and throughout the kind of corporate world and see whether or not we could exceed the goals that the American Heart Association had, particularly in the New Jersey area. So uh, I was privileged to be asked to be the chairman and, uh, and clearly I'm delighted that we were able to not just uh, meet but exceed the goals that we set down for ourselves in terms of creating some sort of value that we can then share broadly in terms of the goals for the American Heart Association. Well, that's great, and and it's always nice to be doing good while you're um, while you're able to sort of lend that leadership set of skills that you've got, and and to be able to support something um, as as uh, well run as this event and and the American Heart Association. I I know it's a little bit tricky because again the event hasn't happened, but um, I know you have some great uh, activities planned. Certainly, there's a, a live auction. Um, there'll be dancing and things like that, but. Let's let's pretend we've already experienced the event, and then I want to use this with an eye toward you know what can people do going forward. So let's talk about some highlights that you expect from the event, and then how can people get involved you know with either the ball or the American Heart Association going forward. Well, clearly, I think uh, you, you mentioned one word there, and I would uh, just add one extra word to that, and that is uh, get involved. You know, I think uh, to me it it's amazing just with the uh, uh, with what was achieved on that one evening where there were over 300 uh, people in uh, uh, in attendance and all of them were attending for a reason and that is that they wanted to be part of something quite special and uh, and certainly I think in today's busy busy world it is very difficult to step off the conveyor belt uh, and, and and look to get involved in doing some things that can make a big a big difference so the American Heart Association Obviously, whether it be locally, uh, whether it be statewide, or whether it be national, uh, gets involved in lots and lots of different activities, whether it be from a kind of a, a research point of view, uh, whether it be from a kind of a, a broader aspects of, of, of walks and different activities uh, that help in terms of achieving the overall goal. So I would say get involved. Um, people, obviously, at the event that, uh, that we did on, uh, on, on Saturday, uh, very much got involved, they're passionate about this, and there is so much that can be achieved by people who can make a difference by just getting involved and, uh, and making a difference on an ongoing basis. But it takes time to step off that conveyor belt of the business of every, everyone's day and getting involved in some of the key activities, whether that be locally or whether that be nationally. So everyone listening in, make sure you take some action, get involved. Uh, certainly I'm looking at the website right here, and I know that the uh, the event, I believe, is sold out, but you can still make a donation. You can start a fundraiser online, so absolutely, uh, you know, do any of those things, and then put it on your calendar for next year. If You know, if you weren't able to go to this year's, um, I know this happens every year. This is the part where I do like to shift a little bit and, and focus more on you. Um, when people do realize what an amazing 
you know, career you've had so far, I think they like to know what makes you tick and, and sort of find some things out about you. So the first one I want to ask is, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing, tell us something about you that people may not know. Uh, well, you know, I mean, obviously, I think um, I, I do actually think that one of the reasons why I've had uh, had the opportunity of being relatively successful over the course of time is that uh, I think who you are is a manifestation of your home life and the way in which you've been uh, uh, been brought up. And, uh, uh, and certainly I've been uh, privileged, uh, you know, from a family perspective, I have uh, a beautiful wife and I have six children four boys and two uh, and two girls and uh, uh, and I would say that uh, that clearly I think um, when I get home from uh, uh, from work I think they uh, uh, mercilessly uh, tease me in all different uh, uh, aspects and uh, certainly that keeps me very grounded they make fun of me uh, and uh, and uh, and obviously I think uh, I find that tremendous in the hurly-burly of business I think when I get home and they mercilessly tease me, as I mentioned, I think, um, you know, it's uh, uh, at the time it, uh, it feels a little bit, um, uh, a bit uh, uh, frustrating, but, uh, but clearly I think that's something that, uh, that I think helps me to be very grounded uh, and it uh, points you to what's really important in life. It's not just that quantitative aspect, it's the qualitative aspects of things like family, etc. So six kids, all of them uh, have varied, but they all get on very, very well, and they take a lot of joy in teasing me uh, every day and every week of the year. Well, that's amazing. I have three kids of my own, and I know that's a lot of work, so I, I can only imagine doubling that. And uh, I think I've heard from a lot of people, it's that perspective of not taking yourself too seriously. Um, there's a story about Barack and Michelle Obama early days where he was talking to her and bragging about, you know, meeting some foreign dignitary. And she's like, hey, that's great, but we have ants at our house. So, you know, reminding us that we're dads or moms or, you know, parents, spouses, et cetera. And so family can be one of those areas that are, is incredibly grounding. So thank you for sharing that. Um, the next question I'd like to ask is um, just so our readers can help build their library. So what are some of the, the smart folks we're talking to? What are they thinking about? Uh, I know you said that you uh, are a voracious reader of business books, and so maybe you'd be willing to share one or two and, and why it spoke to you. Well, I, I have read over the course of time um, a lot of business uh, books. I do think that uh, very good leaders uh, broadly in life have a natural kind of uh, uh, view and feel for uh, leadership. I don't think it's something that can be taught in people. However, my approach to reading books is to see whether or not the there are different perspectives on the way in which one might approach different uh, problems and one book in particular that, uh, uh, that i've referred an awful lot of people to is the, a book by uh, jim collins called good to great uh, and uh, you know I, I think if one reads that book and looks at you know aspects of how one can actually take one's inner um, kind of feelings and beliefs uh, in terms of whether it be strategy or in terms of culture, et cetera, and translate them into practice and how you build great organizations. I think that is a book that I would highly recommend to uh, to people. So Good to Great by uh, uh, Jim Collins. Now, I've read lots of different books over the course uh, of time, and uh, uh, but, also, but always from the approach of seeing whether or not there are, are learnings that I can take from that, that I can uh, actually embrace within who I am and how I approach life. I am a firm believer, generally, uh, that really you control your own destiny in life, 
and that you can read lots of things and you can do lots of things, but in the end, you've got to go with what you believe is in your heart. And you can't teach people to be good leaders. Uh, people have to look at all the kind of uh, aspects of, uh, of learnings from other people and see whether or not that gels well with who you are, uh, but always be yourself. And uh, that is one thing that I've read in an awful lot of books is that you can do lots of things from a, an overall perspective, but in the end, you are who you are. Take those learnings and try to be great yourself. Well, great words of wisdom. Uh, certainly a lot of the leaders I know have cited that as a book that is their touchstone. And so thank you for, uh, for sharing that point of view. And I agree that authenticity and being yourself is, is so critical. Um, I want to get to our last question, and this is sort of a fun one. It's a little bit gratuitous, but I would like to uh, find out what, what music you like. And so this is the proverbial, you're stranded on a deserted island. You can take one album with you. Um, which album would it be and why? Yeah, well, my, uh, my wife is uh, 16 years younger than, uh, than I, so our music tastes are very, very different. And, uh, you know, whenever she uh, gets in my car, she always changes the radio station. Uh, but, uh, and, uh, but in particular, I think, so uh, when I'm on my own, I'm able to choose my own music. And uh, my favorite band and the, uh, the, my favorite album uh, is The Eagles and Hotel California. I, and I've seen them uh, live. And the thing that impresses me about, uh, about them is that they sound exactly the same live uh, as they are when they're uh, on the uh, album. And I love to hear their music. And uh, the one thing that I find very impressive about it is the, the harmony, uh, the way they sing and they all sing together. And it's just something when you close your eyes and you listen to, I always find that it kind of just, uh, it's very entertaining. It's beautiful, beautiful music. Uh, but it is that harmony that I like most of, uh, most of all. And uh, uh, in essence, I think it probably resonates to me because I think, uh, it's like an organization, you know, you like a good harmony within an organization. Everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet and uh, getting alignment of objectives. So, but the Eagles are my favorite band and my favorite album is, the, uh, is Hotel uh, California. My wife will not allow me to play uh, Neil Diamond in the house, uh, although I do <laughs> like Neil Diamond. And clearly coming from England, uh, I'm also a big supporter of the, uh, uh, the Beatles. But uh, the Eagles is always my go-to music. I wouldn't have paid you for an Eagles guy, but I love that choice. And I think I've actually had one or two other folks um, mention that album. Uh, Beatles is, you know, I think the White Album is probably my album when I'm, you know, push comes to shove. And certainly I've even come to appreciate Neil Diamond uh, in, in my later years in life. So, um, again, this has been a, a true pleasure. This is Aaron Strout, the CMO of W2O and the host of the What to Know podcast. I've had the pleasure of uh, chatting with Adrian Adams, who's the CEO of RLS Pharmaceuticals and also most importantly, this year's chair of the Heartball, uh, put on by the American Heart Association. Thank you so much for uh, sharing a little bit about yourself and your wisdom and uh, what makes you tick, Adrian. Well, thank you very much, uh, Aaron. And uh, my uh, last message to everyone is always stay true to your heart. Thank you. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.